We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? You still alive? You still out there? Celtics aren't. I think they're dead. I don't think they have a pulse anymore. We're going to check in. We'll see. One more game to go somehow. I don't know. I'm rambling. And to help me break this all up, because I don't know where to go, I don't know what this podcast is going to look, sound, or feel like, I got to bring in my homies here. We had to bring in, get the three-man weave together. So first of all, you know we always got my best friend, co-host, coach of the podcast, the one and only, Greg Manakis. Give me give me one word how, how you're feeling right now, Greg. Well, I don't know if it was like a Freudian slip, but you said we got to break this up um, instead of break this down. <laughs> and maybe that's what the Celtics have to do. Maybe we have to break this up. Um, I, I mean, like I said earlier, dude, like I, I've been expecting this end. I didn't expect this season to end in a, in a finals victory. I've, I've, I put the tweet out there. It's time to start building the thread of all the moments that foreshadowed um, this end to the season. So I put that in the Celtics blog chat about two weeks ago and I, I got roasted for it a little bit, but <laughs> here, here it is I mean, now. And, uh, I just want to hear from, from my guy, Adam. Yeah. Let's, so let's bring in the, the third member here of the three man weave. It's our podcasting cousin. It is the captain of the Taylor gang, the one and only Adam Taylor. I have to have intro music these days. This is where I'm at. This is the only silver lining we have left. Yeah, I've got, I've got intro music that we haven't got royalties for or cleared. So, you know, we're, we're doing this right here, just like the Celtics. We're Dude. not asking any permission. So on the last episode where you played that, I because I produced the pod and I wasn't on the call. So when that popped in, when I was listening back to it, I was like, oh, no, like, what did I what track did I leave open? Like, what is what did I not mute? <laughs> and I realized what happened. I was like, oh, Adam was just playing it through his phone. <laughs> yeah, I have to, man. We got a way out here. We out here. I'm a I'm in. I'm shockingly chipper considering how shockingly poor the Celtics played. Um, I, I agree Will's Freudian slip was definitely something we need to hit on at length. But, man, I don't even – I want to say that there's still a shot, but there's not. There's, there's not. I, I mean, here's the thing. We cover the Celtics, and it, anyone that still has a glimmer of hope is going to lean into the 4 Boston Red Sox and – 
why not us cowboy up you know they they very similarly got destroyed in game three of the series in which they were able to come back from three the only time in, in baseball history which baseball has like a 300 year history so that is pretty impressive in its own right that you know they're the one team that's ever done it and you know they lost game three 19 to 8 to the yankees and then came back in in, in one four straight game so I, I don't think that's us on this podcast i don't think we see that happening uh not with this Miami Heat team, not with Jimmy Butler, not with Eric Spolstra. I just, I, I can't imagine that, that that's the case. And, you know, I, I think last night, game three, ending, just, just being such an embarrassment from start to finish, oddly makes it a little bit easier than if the Celtics had a chance to win and choked at the end of the game. I think just the fact that, you know, Greg, you and I texted at one point, that I think this is before the first quarter ended. I said, I've lost track of how many mistakes this team has made. And you just said, we suck. And that was, and that, I mean, that was before the first quarter ended. We were already kind of at that point. Yeah. Um, the, the team, so in that first quarter, right, there's that moment at the end of the quarter where Missoula challenges the offensive foul on Rob. It goes from 10 points to eight points after they overturn the call. And you're like, man, that's how desperate we are that we don't want to be down double digits going into the second quarter. We don't want that third foul on Rob. Like it was it, the whole game felt like we were trying to manufacture momentum. All the guys were looking for home runs. That one play that comes to mind where <laughs> Tatum threw the ball to Smart in the post when we're down by like 18 points and he just flops and throws up a, a Hail Mary shot that doesn't even hit the rim. And it's like we were just trying to get anything, trying to bait the refs the whole game rather than just hooping. Um, that was, I mean, we complain. How do the Celtics have more field goals made or more times complained to the referees last night? It was a two-to-one ratio, complaints to refs, complaints <laughs> to shots. I have a question. Are we the new Clippers? You remember the, the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan? Everyone hated how much they complained to the refs. I thought about this last night. I think we're the new Clippers. I think that's our new our new MO across the league is, oh, you mean the guys that just want the refs to call stuff for them and they're not actually playing? That, that's kind of the Celtics a, a lot of times. I want to be honest. It's better. I feel like we're going to be the new Wizards. Two-star guys can't do anything <laughs> with it, man. That's how it feels right now, especially once you see from Max these two. Um, I mean, I'll take the Clippers over being the Wizards, but neither of them ever won a chip, so I don't think it matters which way we choose. I'm very sad. Yeah, it's, I mean, the the two stars, right, not playing like stars in this game. I think Tatum, I thought he he got a little bit more blame than he deserved over the first two games. Uh, I thought he was really the only guy that showed up in those first two games. Uh, Jalen, though, I, I mean, I put all my betting money that I had allocated to last night on Jalen Brown having a bounce back game just because I, that's what I figured would happen. Right? We've been talking about the script of this team. Anytime they get down, they always have that moment that makes you believe again, that sucks you right back in. And JB, Will, it's time I bring this up because Go going it. into the playoffs and it, I think it was game one or game two of the playoffs. I texted you and I was like, bro, I've been thinking about this a lot. Jalen Brown's shot doesn't look good. Towards the end of the season, he was like, he had a couple of shots that just weren't even close. Wide open threes that he just like bricked off the glass. And it seemed like his mechanics just completely disappeared on him towards the end of the season. And I was very worried about it. And I didn't want to bring it up on the pod yet because 
I was like, you know what, maybe this is just a slump for him, whatever. And then he ended up having like four or five really good games in a row and his numbers came back to what we expect out of Jalen Brown. But now he's just like completely bottomed out on his shot. His mechanics are out of whack. Um, he, he has the consistency on how much he's jumping on his shot versus like where his follow through is. It is a complete mess. And it makes me wonder with JB because coming into his career when he got drafted, the biggest knock on him was that he couldn't shoot, right? And you see the struggles that he has at the free throw line throughout the year, some big moments where his mechanics just leave him. And to Adam's point of having to pay this guy all this money, like if if Jalen Brown reverts back to who he might be as a shooter versus who he seemed like he was progressing towards towards a shooter, he's just not a guy that you can commit that much super max money to because so much of what made Jalen Brown special over the first five, six years of his career is that his numbers shooting just continue to improve. And it's dangerous when you see how bad his shot has looked over over these playoffs. Shooting 10% in this series from deep. 10% in the series from deep. What the, And this is a guy like, look, I'm all for everybody getting their money. I think Jalen Brown has had real good moments. There was a point in time where we were arguing whether or not he was the guy for this team or not mm-hmm. us on this podcast, but the fan base in general, most certainly. And now we're kind of like, I'm at the point where with the new CBA, the way that second tax apron works and the penalties that come with triggering that second tax apron, I'm not sure that the team that's currently built is good enough to win a championship if you can't if you don't have access to some mid-level exceptions or any form of exceptions to keep building around the fringes. The to me, these issues are core issues now. We've seen them under Brad, we've seen them under Immy, we've seen them under Joe. Oh, a whole heap of stuff I could say about Joe. But this ain't on Joe. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get yeah, there. Let's stick on this the ain't, for this, a this ain't on about Joe. This is like for me. The issues are deep-rooted, and that means that you need to decide which guys you want to keep, which guys you want to move on from, and actually just pull the plug and figure out what you can get back for Jalen if you if Jalen's the guy you want to move on from. But one of Jalen or Jason will need to go if you want to be able to build a more cohesive team under the new CBA. It's uh, Man, I can't believe we're having these conversations. I mean, these are the conversations that that need to be had at this point. It's, it's just a real gut shot, but I mean, this has been the worst series I've ever seen Jalen Brown have like by a mile. Like it's, it's not even close. And you know, Greg, I, I I partially agree with you that Tatum probably got more criticism than deserve. I think he's on the list of criticism. Yeah. This team has a lot of criticism. Mm -hmm. He's on the list. So I I don't, I don't think he's, he's absolved. I was Um, saying over the first two games, Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and I and I think even within the first two games, I think I think there is there's some partial. Like I said, it's not the top of the list, but it's on the list of things that that go on there is is a little bit of Jason Tatum, For sure. but certainly not certainly not the the top ranking one. And so, God, when you, when when you look at where this team's at now, you know it it is this is really a crossroads, man. And this is one that it, it's kind of funny. We talked about our secret hidden text message thread from the end of Game Six against Philadelphia, and how we're going to burn it, never look at it again. We may need to copy and paste it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think we're going to end up in a very similar place without the questions of Jason Tatum. So I think you know, looking at the Jays and how we and, and we kind of have to talk about this with the future lens in mind because there's no way to talk about this without that. This is. 
the fact that we still have another game is mind-boggling. I can't believe that there's another game Tuesday night. I don't know how this wasn't the end of the season. It's basically, you know, Greg, you put it great. This is the wake coming up as the funeral on Tuesday. So, you know, we have to look at it through this lens of, of what it means in the in the larger picture. And so, you know, with Jason Tatum, with Jalen Brown, you know, if you were going to make substantial roster changes, unfortunately, Jalen Brown is probably the answer, right? I mean, the only other way forward, and, and I still think, and I think there's a world in which they just pay Jalen Brown, they run it back with the Jays, and then you try to get what you can out of the, you know, out of those three combo guards, you try to move one or two of them, maybe with with Rob or Al, or I don't, I mean, you, you shake it up in some way through that and try to change your role players first, and then we'll get to the coaching again, like we talked about here in a second. But those are really the only two options for because they don't have free agent money. They can't go out in free agency. Not that it's a great free agency class. So it's going to have to be through trades, through the future draft equity that they do have. And either it's Jalen Brown and you're making a really, really big swing or you're going to start a little bit lower and you're going to start somewhere within those three guards plus maybe a bigger plus some picks and, and try to and try to improve the team that way. But I think the major point here is Something has to change. This core cannot come back the way it is constructed. Over three different coaches, very similar fundamental, fundamental and foundational <laughs> issues. Fundamental and foundational. That's, that's fundamental issues. Yeah, I like that. But I mean, that's what it is. Fundamental issues exist across three coaches. There has to be something done. The players have got to take a, a brunt of what I think is happening with yeah, this team. Yeah. Well, with JB, the thing, you know, if we weren't having to pay him a supermax, if it was just like, oh, we're bringing back Jalen Brown for $30 million a year versus whatever it would how be. How quickly, how quickly things change from, thank God he got the all NBA. So now we don't have to worry about him leaving in free agency to, oh shit, he got the supermax. Now we, I don't know if we mm-hmm. want to pay these guys 600 million. This is like a three week difference. Yeah. No, it's, it's tough because like, I love JB. I still believe in JB. It's just like, y- what like to Adam's point about the new CBA and everything, it's just really hard to justify bringing him back if we can't win a title with these guys. Like Jalen Brown probably is like if you're looking around the league, we'll go back to our preseason rankings or like throughout the season rankings of players. Like we had him around the top 20. He's pretty obviously outside of that top 20 at this point he's probably more like a top 30 to top 40 guy than a top 20 guy especially when you compare him to what you see jamal murray doing you know we were saying at some point during the season like is he closer to devin booker than devin booker is to jason tatum like all these things we were saying about jalen brown throughout the year and it's just kind of proven that he's just kind of not that guy um he's a very good player i love jalen brown i think that I would love to see him in Boston long term. I just don't think it's realistic, especially after this performance in the playoffs. Um, I would probably prefer if we had to just like make a a move. I would prefer the move to be get rid of Joe, get rid of Smart, than just get rid of Jalen because I I do still think that there's a world in which Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can stay together, play together, and win a championship. So I completely uh, look, look, man. I'm all in on keeping Jalen. What I will say is, this would be the third iteration of changing the role players around them. At some point, you need to be like, yo, this core, and I class the core personally as Jalen, Jason, Smart, and then if you want to throw Allen there, fine, because I know he left for a while, but he's basically been there the entire time. So that core has had. M- a couple of iterations now of we've changed the role players around them. It's taken a year or two to make those full switches and get guys in and out, but we've done it. 
so if you do this again, that's the third time. At what point do you really like? At what point do you just kind of face the music and be like, the core isn't working? The Marcus Smart and Jalen, or the Jalen and Jason, or whatever it's like, whatever, however you want to amalgamate those, that's where the problem is. And that to me is kind of the most painful part of this entire discussion because I don't see on that you can change the role players now because you've done that twice. And but okay, the last time you did it, you got to the NBA finals, I get it. And then you go out and get Malcolm Brogdon, which is meant to be the piece that puts you all the way over. He stays healthy, which is literally gold dust in his entire career. You won the you won the Malcolm Brogdon lottery twice. You got him for cheap and he stayed healthy. And he won the six minute of the and year. And he three times. Like, come on, man. And now you're not going to get that four-leaf clover. You're going to stick at that three-leaf clover, the very, very common one. It's going to be another Eastern Conference Finals for the Celtics with nothing to show for it. Uh, to me, I feel like, you know, the core needs changing at this point. It's like a it's like a fuse, right? The fuse has ran its course. We need to change the fuse. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll, uh, we'll continue this from a, di- a few different angles. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, you know, you, you brought up, you know, bringing in Malcolm Brogdon, Adam, and this is where it's, it's honestly confounding. You look at this team, it's basically the same team that went to the finals. Plus, you added in a guy that wins six man of the year. As you talk about, you hit the lottery in the fact that the biggest reason you were able to get him at the price you got him was his injury concerns. And he plays the full season. He wins six man of the year. And, you know, really the biggest difference is this team's mentality just was was based in their defense, right? And we know the beginning of this season was tumultuous just with the way it started. You know, I mean, on the court, they went 21 and, you know, four or whatever it was to start the season, had a historic offensive rate. But when you go all the way back in the timeline and you think about how crazy it was the night before training camp, to lose your head coach, you have Joe Missoula then become the interim head coach. You have Damon Stoudemire become the lead assistant. Uh, and then later in the season, you know, Missoula gets his contract. Stoudemire leaves either right before or right after. I can't remember the timeline exactly on that. Like this, this team lost its way. There's, there's, I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, Stan, I mean, listen, the TNT guys will do it more than the ESPN guys as far as just straight up saying how they feel. Whether it was, you know, Chuck and EJ on the on the pregame postgame set, or it was straight up, you know, Van Gundy and even Reggie Miller talking about it on the broadcast. Everyone was like, man, this team just quit. 
everybody that knows basketball really, really well, regardless if you don't, uh, don't agree with all of their opinions, those guys played in the league. Those guys have coached superstars. Some of them are superstars and legends. Every single one of them last night on that broadcast was saying this is a team that quit. So this isn't just three three dudes sitting in their podcasting studios saying it looks like this team quit. It was pretty fucking evident this team quit last night. And so, you know, that brings us to, I think, a little bit of, of coaching. And I think I need I think we need to bring Brad Stevens into this a little bit, too, because as great of a job as he's done since making the transition, never giving Joe Missoula the support that I think he needed as a 34 year old rookie head coach. I think has become very, very glaring in this postseason. And, you know, I just think Brad needs to be a part of this blame pie as well. So, Greg, I know you've talked about you're ready to just move on from from Missoula. That's that's what you think the next move should be here. That's where I would start. I know a lot of people are saying that he's, you know, he just signed a four year deal. There's no way that you can uh, get rid of him after one year. And my answer to that is why the fuck not? Like he, he, he didn't, he didn't prove himself to be a good coach. You were hoping that he would, you were hoping that he would continue to learn, but like, just because you, he has a contract doesn't mean that you have to honor that contract. You can still fire the guy and eat the last three years of the deal. Um, and they're going to have conversations with the players and they're going to straight up ask them if they think that Joe is the guy. And I would imagine the answer is going to be no, because they brought in Ime Odoka because the guys were like, this is the guy. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all of them were like, yeah, we love Ime. We want him here. We want him to be our coach. None of them wanted Joe Missoula to be their head coach. That's not what they signed up for, right? They, they're trying to make the best of that situation. And I think all the weird comments that came out um, in, in the postseason, especially the smart comments about Joe, you know, Joe's g- rightfully so getting some of the blame and all this stuff. And then you see how often Al Horford is sitting in the coach's chair and just like trying what to coach up the that team. I mean, that's been happening all, all postseason though, dude. And it's just like, you you look at Joe Missoula and you feel you feel for him, right? Because he he didn't ask for this. He was given this this responsibility, and he's done the best that he can. But currently, the best that he can is just not good enough. And that that's that's the truth. That's the harsh truth of it. Our guy Mobley, I don't know if you saw Will. He kind of like tweeted at us. He was like, "Oh, I'm I'm glad that." Um, Joe Missoula took ownership. It's like, well, you, I mean, he hasn't followed Joe Missoula all year. It's like, this is literally the first time all year Joe Missoula's ever taken ownership. And it's like, right, when the Celtics are down 3 0 and the season's over. You know what I mean? So the lessons learned way too late. Um, I, I hopefully Brad Stevens doesn't compound the error of giving him the four year contract with honoring that contract and that we can actually look for a new head coach because it's it, if, if it's bringing back Missoula next year, that's going to be a really, really hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted this out earlier today. Brad Stevens' biggest L since L, 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 L since taking over as the uh, Pobo was giving Missoula the, the head coaching job on a full-time gig before we saw what he, what happened in the playoffs. And I was part of that kind of like celebratory, yeah, Joe deserves it, man. The offense looks great. The defense looks great. Motherfuckers coaching in the All-Star game. This is great. I was wrong. Brad was wrong. We were all wrong, wrong. So very, very wrong. Look, I'm fine with getting rid of Joe. I feel like when you said, like, you know, we can feel for him, I think Joe kind of dug some of this apathy towards his struggles himself in the season with being so combative with guys in the media, with being so combative when asked genuine questions about why the team wasn't developing the way it should be. And, you know, going down that Bill Belichick route of being like, 
I'm the coach. You know what I mean? Like, what, what's your problem, man? But now, he's trying to he's trying to emulate what good coaches sound like. Not just a. Um, <laughs> for me, it's like, well, when you act like that, when you haven't won anything, people start to become dis like disconnected from you. You know, and that was kind of what caused a bit of a disconnect from me. Then you start seeing the mistakes pile up. The pulling everybody at the very beginning of the fourth quarter, to me, was absolutely inexplicable. Like, are we not coming off a game where Jason Tatum dropped 16 in the fourth to force an overtime? That you, you know what I mean? Are we not coming off a game where the, some of the guys have played bad and then found a spark in like the eighth minute of the fourth and rallied back? I get it was a 30-point deficit, but at the end of the day, 30-point leads in the NBA last literally five minutes max. Well, did you guys did you guys see this um, that Wick Grosbeck apparently said to Joe Mazzulla to pull the starters, and then Joe, that I, I heard this on um, the Rosillo and Simmons podcast today that apparently in like right at the end of the third quarter or in the fourth quarter, Grosbeck said to Joe Mazzulla pull the starters, and Mazzulla said, "I am, I'm about to." Like, really? How crazy is that? I, I haven't I, I haven't researched that to see if that's true or like yeah. seen the clip of it. But they were talking about it like it happened, and they were just like, "How." how like in what world would an owner ever say to a head coach it's time to pull the starters if that doesn't tell you that they're going to fire joe mazula i don't know what is yeah and i mean if that's true number one i think that that's that sends off other red flags to me that just you know culturally not only were we outmatched by the you know by the coaching matchup you know by the the superstar matchup apparently we're culturally outmatched because if we're having owners tell the coach what to do in the game like especially like no offense to wick but like it ain't like wick is pat riley or jerry west or or somebody that you know played the game or something like 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 what the hell's wick doing you know and i so so i don't know i think greg's gonna try and look up that a little bit more here as as we're talking so that would be another red flag altogether but you know adam to your point i I mentioned this in the last pod when joe didn't call that timeout down six in game two with eight seconds left that that right there despite all the other issues that you might have that was in my infuriating number one disposition with with joe missoula was that's just you you quit you had a timeout and you just quit you quit Maybe that's why the team quit. You know, that's that's another. I mean, and clearly it looks like this team does not respond to Joe Missoula. Now, I think the contract part of this makes it tough. And Adam, you, you highlighted the the new CBA and how, you know, financially this team's going to be a little bit strapped if they keep things as is. If they give Jalen that a, that a, that max extension, um, things get a little hairy. And so, you know, I, I think. This ownership group did open up their pocketbooks a little bit this year. They paid the tax. You know, we were asked. I've, I've been saying for the last couple of years, like, listen, you guys bought this team for 300 million 20 years ago. It's worth almost $4 billion. I don't give a shit what the taxes. You guys are all stupid, stupid rich. Like this team has a chance to win, open it up and pay. And they did. They did. So I have to give them credit for that. But as these, you know, implications start to come in, and I, I was trying to find how much Joe's contract is per year. I'm going to guess it's in the three to four, four million range, somewhere in that. So it's not a crazy amount, but I also don't know that they're just going to eat that for nothing and then pay another coach on top of that right away. So I, I think him, while I wouldn't certainly be opposed, and I think that might be the right call moving on from Joe, I think there's also a world in which this team is is actually back and is fairly similar. They give, they give Jalen the extension. Missoula comes back. You absolutely have to get more help on the coaching staff. 
You absolutely have to. That is a non-negotiable. You must do that. Like that, you cannot have Joe Missoula back there without with, with the lack of help that he had. And so I think maybe then they make some tweaks with, like I said before, maybe just trading one of the combo guards to get a better wing or to get. I, I don't know. I don't know what that what that other tweak is. But I think there's a world in which this team is is fairly similar. And and comes back next year. I don't know if that's the right call because something has to change. But I think there's a world in which it's not dramatically different, even though it feels like after a night like last night, like it should be a whole new version of this team next season. Just real quick uh, before Adam, you jump in there. Apparently, this happened during the Philly series that Grossbeck okay. said that okay. to Missoula. I mean, it shouldn't be getting said in the first place, period. Right. Like, it's still a red yeah. flag, but I didn't know about and it. And I think, like, look, I don't want to be prisoner of the moment too much. So I'm going to premise this with saying, this is how I feel right now. Whereas more of more than this is my opinion, full stop point blank. I'm dying on this hill. But my opinion right now is fringe moves might make you more competitive in a seven game series in the instant conference finals. It might even get you to a competitive final series. I just don't know if fringe moves are enough right now because you're still looking at the same guys that, Marcus Smart is showing signs that he's on that, like the, the, he's come over the peak of his career kind of path, right? He's showing signs now that, hey, you're not the defensive bulldog that you were last season. Uh, you, you've looked a little bit more human on that side of the floor this year, especially in the postseason. Now, what's that going to look like next year when you've had all these miles put on your body? How are you going to be by the time you get back to the postseason then? Jalen to me, has been one foot in, one foot out since he got All-NBA. I don't know if anyone else agrees there, but throughout most of this postseason, even when he called out the fans, right, and he was like, I want more in it, like, I want you to bring... He had to premise it by, you, you guys love to call us out. Like, the Celtics fan base is the only fan base that does that. And, you know, I, I found that kind of... That, that irked me a little bit, because I'm like, every fan base calls out their players, right? So I feel like Jalen maybe has one foot in, one foot out. Part of me feels like if he does stay, he's not staying for the right reasons. He's not staying because he wants to be in Boston. He's staying because he wants to paycheck. And I think that makes me more comfortable with looking for a, a star return on Jalen. Yeah, let's uh, let's take one final break here, and then we'll we'll try to put a bow on this. So it's 3-0. There's another game. Tuesday night. I'm I, I still can't wrap my head around there being another game. This really feels like what it, it feels like it was the Phoenix Suns last year in game seven, except they have to play another game. It's almost just mean at this point. This is bullying. This is what bullying is right now, making the Celtics play another game at this point. And so, you know, I I mean <laughs> We, we've I've joked we've joked about this off air, right? The silver lining for for us as, as content creators with the season ending so poorly, guys. We're gonna have a lot to talk about <laughs> this off season. We are not gonna be short on content by any means, but this is this is a really rough ending to what was it, at times. It never felt like it was a. I don't. I can't say it was a special season because it just wasn't that. But at times, it felt like it had the opportunity to be enough. And that's more a reflection of how this NBA season went, I think, mm-hmm. more than the Celtics team. But ultimately, it's it, it's unfortunately just not going to be enough. And, and all of these giant, giant conversations await us and the Celtics in the offseason. Okay. I know we're down 3-0. We haven't seen the body yet, if we're extending the, the wake and the funeral analogies, right? 
The casket's closed. We haven't walked up. We haven't actually seen the dead body. The Celtics actually are still somehow alive to your point. Well, we have another game to play. We ha- it's fate. We, we can hear the pulse. We have We have months of off-season content that we can do. Let's try. <laughs> Let's try <laughs> to talk about what could happen in game four. Because like, there's a part of me that still sort of believes, like a tiny, tiny, tiny part of me that still sort of believes that if the Celtics are able to get game four, if they like, even if it's just an anomaly, they hit thir- like 25 threes just because that happens sometimes. Is there a world in which the Celtics could extend the series back to five games? Back to so do they even want so let me jump. Let me just jump in real quick, and then Adam, you, you can go here. I just want to talk about like the like what you're saying. There's no feeling, right? The the just the human feeling that we have about this team, and, it, and it's really funny as as fans. Like there's certain times where I'm like, oh, I know this feeling. This team's making a run. This team's making a comeback. You just you just can feel it through the TV. It's really weird. It's hard to explain to anyone that's not a sports fan. But if you're a sports fan, you know those feelings you get when you're associated with your team. And I talked about how anyone that still has a glimmer of hope is going to refer back to the 04 Boston Red Sox and, and making that 3-0 comeback. And I remember being so defeated. And this is back when baseball was was do or die for me. I, we, we were probably, what, 13, 14, Greg, when that when that happened, something around that. Yeah, about 14, I think. Yeah, 14 um, or 15. When, yeah, when that happened. And and baseball was, was, was way more my life than basketball was at that time. And that was the sport that I felt beat for beat. I know this team. I feel this team. And I was just knocked out and devastated. And I remember the night before or the the day of leading up to game four, I remember being at church. Shout out to St. Anne's Church, I guess. I remember being at St. Anne's Church. And I remember talking to somebody. And I was just like, yeah, that team is so, like a disaster, disappointing. And someone was like, hey, I don't know. And I was like, what? I was like, how can you still have a belief in this team? Fast forward like six hours later, because the Red Sox win this game in like 13, 14 innings. I am in my living room at like 1230 at night, one in the morning, glued to the TV, believing in this team. And it took that one game, took that one moment, and I was all back in. I was back in for the next four days. Great documentary. It's great 30 for 30. Um, You know, if you haven't seen it, go see it. But I was hooked in and I was back. So to your point, Greg. Maybe there's that one game. Maybe there's that one well, moment yeah. that, that that sets it up and just brings it all back. I was I was trying to think back to game three. Like, is there gonna be some sort of spark, right? That that the Celtics can take into game four. And the only moment that I can think of is the Jimmy Butler taunting Al Horford with the timeout signal. Right. Like the fact that he did that and then Al looked at him and started talking some shit back to him, like maybe there's a world in which the Celtics are like, all right. If we're going to go out, like we can't let these guys punk us to this point. Like we quit in game three. Let's just all admit that we quit on each other. We quit on ourselves. We quit on the team. We quit on the organization. We quit on the city. There's still a game, right? There's still another game. It felt like because they played the game like it was over, it feels like the season is over and the series is over, but it's not. Right. So like, is there some sort of rallying cry? Is there going to be somebody on the team that looks at some moment from game three and is like, you know what? That's there's a there's like some sort of chink in the armor there in Miami. And like, I don't know what it is. It seems like Miami's just has found something special. They've they've taken the play in magic, even though they lost the first game, they're able to win the second game against the Bulls. When even the announcers thinking back to that game were like, well, if it's two guys, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine against one guy and Jimmy Butler, I'm going to go pick those two guys. And then Jimmy Butler just destroyed them down the stretch. And he's kind of continued that. 
Like, Adam, like, do you see any world? I'm not saying the Celtics win this series, but is there any world in which the Celtics win game four? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's no, part of me just doesn't want to admit there's a, a chance of this being a sweep. Right, I don't know what's going on outside. It's like I've been thrown back into the 1800s and there's steam trains going on everywhere. I don't know what people are doing out there. I'll close my window in a second. Um, I don't. There's no part of me that wants to believe that this is a sweep, right? And I, the analogy I kind of gave myself earlier with the Celtics offense is like, you know when you're hungover and you know you need to vomit, you know you need to be sick, and you know it's coming, you just don't know when it's going to come, right? You can feel it. It's there. That's how I feel about this offense. Those threes are coming. They're going to hit. I just don't know when it's going to happen. And that's the worrying part, right? Because if it doesn't come in game four, it, you don't get another opportunity. I think that this team's too proud to go down as a sweep. A gentleman sweep, I can see it happening. 4-0, no, please no. I, I genuinely yeah. think that the team's got too much pride. And if they don't, then the Red Sox remain Boston's darlings for combat. <laughs> I mean, the other part of, of that analogy you're making, Adam, is the, the role guys on Miami. Gabe Vincent dropped 29 points last night. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be a, a, a point of correction, unless they're just those guys, like Greg like Greg surmised the other day. Like, maybe they're just these guys and we're, we, we were late on them or we're early on them or, we're, you know, wherever we are in the timeline. But, like, you know, Caleb Martin is averaging 19.3 points per game. Gabe Vincent's up to 17.7. You know, Duncan Robinson and Max Struess are in double digits as well. You know, like, maybe there's just a point where they're shooting, like – this is the part that's so crazy because I do think that most times, it, and this kind of goes to, to your point, Greg, of, hey, let's let's make a, a list of the times the Celtics showed us who they were, and I don't know why we chose to ignore it. Miami's regular season profile is dog shit. Mm -hmm. It is so bad. And so, but I guess, I, I don't know, because I, I didn't follow the heat as closely as the Celtics, obviously, but maybe there were little moments in there that they showed us that, hey, this is still going to be the Miami Heat that came one shot away from from going to the NBA Finals last year. But their profile doesn't certainly match up with that. And what they're doing in the postseason doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense with the levels of play that they're getting from guys. And part of that's the Celtics helping them out. But, you know, if, if these role guys come back to earth, come back to some semblance of who they actually were for 82 games, you know, that's going to be in the Celtics' favor as well. So that's, I think that's the other part that has to really, you need to look at here. To Adam's point, the threes, they got to come at, at, at some point if the Celtics are going to make, you know, this somewhat of a series, you know, going five or six games. And they need to, need to find a way to bring the Miami role players back to earth. Yeah, and those role players, man, like we did the the um, player comparisons or um, positional comparisons at the beginning of this series. <laughs> and the Celtics, the Celtics have lost every single positional battle. Every single Bam Adebayo has completely destroyed the Celtics front court. Jimmy Butler has completely outplayed the Jays. And then all of the role players have outplayed all of our role players. So we've just gotten whooped, like taken out behind the shed, just gotten whooped put to death and when you look at like like i've been saying this all and i know you just alluded it too well but like we i've been saying this all series like we might just not have realized that gabe gabe vincent's actually pretty good that caleb martin is actually pretty good that max truce as i i said in the celtics blog roundtable that didn't actually get published i compared max truce 
to like a much more limited Desmond Bain. Like I'm not saying they're even in the same stratosphere of players, but just in terms of like the skill set of coming off of screens and shooting three pointers, I feel like that skill set is actually pretty comparable. But then Bain adds a lot more to his game with his ability to play make for others, so on and so forth. But there's like a lot of me that just like they remind me of each other. And then Duncan Robinson, who was injured earlier in the season, he obviously he he had a bad season last year, but didn't play a lot this year because he was injured. He had like a hand injury and he's rediscovered the Duncan. Robinson Bro, he was, match. he was cooking us off the dribble last night, throwing, he... throwing both him and Struz throwing lobs off the of pick and rolls. <laughs> like what is happening? They're just like throwing lobs off of pick and rolls to bam. And like, well, we, we can talk more about this series after we lose game four. Um, but all those we guys. lose game four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was, like, I was, guys I was gonna say so... we're sprinkling a little bit of optimism here at the end, and then Greg just goes, Well, once we lose game four, yeah, we'll when it's over. I do want to talk a little bit more about like Bam and all those guys because they've all been so impressive. And I, at the end of the day, like the Heat are just better than us. And like we've all said we're the more talented team. Like, maybe not. Maybe we're just not the more talented team. Maybe they're also the the, the better coach team. And Bam and Jimmy have completely outplayed the Jays. So, um, I mean, I still think there's a world in which we win Game Four, but I don't, I don't see it happening. Somehow, I don't think that I think the South, like the Heat, are only like minus one eighty favorites to win the series up three zero. I haven't like double checked that number, but that's they, they should be like saw, minus five hundred uh, favorites right now. I saw last night, and this is like because ESPN uses some. BPI metric that I think is tied to like the 538 guys who also got like the elections wrong and everything. So I don't know. I don't know how reliable they are, but I saw last night and this was after the game that somehow the Celtics were still favored to win the series, like through this stupid as ESPN BPI metric. There's like, there's no way you can even publish that. Even if that's what the thing's telling you, you can't publish that. That's ridiculous. So uh, yeah, I don't know what odds makers are, are doing with this by not just acknowledging that Miami is the favorite now un, undisputed indisputably to to win this doesn't make doesn't make any sense here but you know i, I mean i think as we as, as we look to to wrap this up here a little bit you know i think this could go i, I mean i would hope the celtics oh god actually you know what i, I there's part of me that just wants to be put out of the misery yeah just, 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 just make it quick bro just make it quick well because i all because i also think it, it might even be worse to to win game four and then have miami celebrate at the garden you know like then at that point that i'm like let's at least get back to game six but if we get back to a game six then i'm hooked back in then i'm thinking there's a chance we win one we just got to get it back to the garden and well think of dude how how awful would it be for this era to end with like booze raining down from the garden that's That's the last thing i want to see like the, the celtics as bad as they've been in this series and they don't deserve to end this era of smart jalen and and jason with booze raining down from the garden like yeah that They've they've given us a lot of great memories over the last six years. For where, sure. like, I don't I don't want that to happen. So there's a part of me as well that would rather end in game four than the alternative of ending in game five at home and going four and six at home in the playoffs. <laughs> That's just so stupid to say out loud. They lost nine games at home all season. But yeah, Adam, what what, what are your thoughts on how likely or potentially this series may conclude? If it goes past five games, I'm going to be shocked at this point. I think that Boston, I genuinely believe that Boston have gave up, not just on that game, but I think they've just gave up. I think they, part of me feels like they know changes need to be made too, right? And sometimes the best way to force a change is to absolutely tank. And I'm hoping that's not the case. I I wouldn't like to 
suggest that players are doing that because obviously we don't know and I yeah. wouldn't like to defame the character, but that feels a certain way. I'd like to believe they win game four. I'd like to believe they win game five. Then game six is the coin toss back in Miami, right? That's kind of going to be my prediction because I said it was going to be a six game series. I said it was going to be Celtics in six. Now it's going to have to be Heat in six, but I still like to believe that there's a six game series here. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see because as we said before, we, we just don't know what's going to happen with this team. Do they have any ounce of fight? We should see it on Tuesday night. If they're all completely checked out, I think we'll know pretty early on Tuesday night. So we'll check back in. This was likely the wake of the Celtics season. The actual memorial services, TBD. We'll see. Not looking good, folks. 3 nothing. Miami leads. But we'll be back later this week to talk all about that and see where we can go from there. But for myself, for the chief, Adam Taylor here, for our guy, Greg Manakis, that's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy. Greg, any final thoughts? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Might need something to cheer us up. No final thoughts. Music for my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are Black Sheep Optimists. And this one is called Skywalker. Peace. Peace. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes. A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage. Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe. But I stick for a minute because I'm digging the vibe. I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes. Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe. Don't know what the deal is. I'm a typical guy. You know, the one thing different is the state of your mind. I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope. I'm getting too damn high. Didn't know I could float. You could call it a vibe. It's probably all that you wrote. But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope. Cause you know that that embody, that's what go with the flow. I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes. You had me taking off when you took off your clothes. This should be coming down by now. But I won't. Let's go.